with the boys in the woods. There you go. Change it every time. All right, welcome to the Boys Woods podcast. This week we have Michael Mc McChesney. Yes. So, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into what you're doing, and we'll dance from there. Sounds good. Uh, my name is Mike. Uh, I'm a stand-up comedian and a producer from out in Waukesha, Wisconsin, and uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I perform all over the Midwest. Uh, started about a year and a half, going on two years ago now. I uh, never really looked back. Um, as for how I got into comedy, uh, I kind of just grew up around it. Uh, it was definitely like um, an escape from for me, for sure. It was a go-to social skill for me growing up, too. I mean, I was uh, kind of the weird kid in high school and, and grade school, middle school, the class clown, that kind of kid, you know. So yeah. uh, I was gravitated towards that. I mean, Grew up on South Park, grew up on Family Guy, grew up on all that, all that jazz uh, from day one to, you know. Um, so when I discovered comedy uh, in high school, I think specifically it was freshman year of high school uh, when I started getting really into just uh, high level stand up comedy. Um, I kind of just always felt a draw to it from there. Um, but I always assumed growing up that you, you could only really pursue something like that in L.A., in Chicago, in uh, New York, you know, Boston. Um, so when I found out at age 24, 23, that there's a there's a uh, stand-up comedy scene right here in Milwaukee and um, filled with tons of talented people, um, it's you a know. It's really uh, wonderful, wonderful scene, actually. Oh, it's Milwaukee. fantastic, dude, fantastic. And you got people at all levels, you know, you have 10-year, 15-year comics that have been running the circuit forever. Uh, a couple of us just released a special. Um, Joel Roberts just released his own special. AJ Grill, who's a 10-year comic, he just released his special on YouTube. Chastity Washington just released a special on Amazon Prime. I'm sure Justin Leon's going to have a special coming out at some point. It's about time. So, I mean, Ray Roberts has a special, too. I mean, you know, a lot of these really great comics end uh, come from the scene and end up growing a lot here, too. Um but yeah, once I discovered that that was here, I just never looked back. I was like, whatever I can do to be involved in this thing right here for the rest of my life, it just became what my life was about. That's awesome. No, it's a it's a horse, or it's a dead horse beaten with a bat This at this point when we talk about the big C. And apparently I yeah. just recently found out I'm not actually allowed to say the word anymore. But we'll call it the big C. And now okay. When the big C occurred, comedians and stand-up comic clubs got smoked. Yeah. Now, living up in the UP, I was able, as a fake government navigator, I was able to, like, see some of the things. But talking to you as somebody who, who lived through it, yeah, what was that like? Well, here's kind of a, a unique thing for me. So I actually started comedy um, almost as soon as things opened back up. So okay, cool. I started my career right uh, right after COVID. So going into the open mic circuit and going into the comedy scene right after COVID was kind of, uh, it was it was cathartic in a way. It was a weird thing to walk back into. There was still kind of a weirdness amongst comics not everybody had been around each other for a while um the, the the venues still didn't quite know what to do i remember i can't remember his name for the life of me but i probably see him all the time and just don't remember it's him 
but there's a, there's a venue that I went to after uh, the improv open mic to do an open mic set. And they still had like multiple different microphones for different people. That way, you know, you're not touching each other. Uh, you wouldn't shake hands or fist bump. Everybody had to wear a mask going up and down. Um, and I just didn't understand this because none of the other uh, mics had been doing that. Or at least none of the ones that I had been to at the time I was very new. So, you know, like an idiot, I go up to this guy. I go to shake his hand. He He's going to give me a fist bump. I stay there in the handshake position, basically like forcing him to give me one. And then I hand him back the microphone. I was just like uh, yelling into. And this dude looked at me like, I'm going to murder you. Uh, <laughs> and in my, in my, you know, like inexperienced mind, I was like, oh man, this is one of those comedy assholes. It's like, no, dude, you just don't understand the trauma that these people went through for the past two years trying to perform in a, in a pandemic right. um, but uh but yeah no i i would say um my perspective when it comes to uh um, the big c and uh and comedy is a lot of young talent a lot of new people a lot of very driven and hungry people came out of the pandemic and had that as their wake-up call i think that coinciding with the popularity of like the joe rogan podcast and mm -hmm. the your mom's house podcast and really just comedian podcasts in general blowing up um at that right. time and then uh you know the uh, the marvelous mrs mazel came out at that period of time too a lot of people who um had comedy as something that they idolized or wanted to pursue or loved um but never had the guts to go and 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 try to try to make it happen um saw the world almost end and then the only people and the only comfort that we really had were comedians like I, in an odd way yeah so it became kind of a shit or get off the pot kind of situation where yeah I, can i swear on this by the way i, I totally oh, didn't even ask oh okay oh, no, absolutely awesome. yeah Cool. Um, so it was a wake-up call for a lot of people. Um, and I, I've seen in other scenes, like I've been to the Detroit scene, uh, as well as um, down in Chicago scene and stuff. And there's, and even in the Milwaukee scene, there, there's, um, I think when everything first started open up, opening up, the amount of new people, the, the, the onslaught of new people <laughs> coming into the scene. Um, and uh, of that, you know, the percentage of them that were kind of psychos, yeah, because comedy attracts a lot of mentally <laughs> ill like people. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, not I was the right ones. Like yeah, me too. I'm bad shit insane, but the kind yeah. that doesn't make people feel unsafe, you know. So it's like right. <laughs> I'm more likely to kill myself than you. So we're good. I'm unhinged just behind closed doors, you know. <laughs> Uh, but uh so there was like a bit of a stigma when it came to just new comics um i, I heard the grossest term i've ever heard in my entire life i heard in detroit and i'll never name names but this dude i, I hope he's not listening to this because he'll know he said this shit uh, and he won't book me again <laughs> but uh dude he literally called people that started after covid um post-covid comics that was his that was his Jesus. term for it and what was funny is he booked me he booked me out of state so i came all the way from there to, to his scene he pays me 20 dollars after a six and a half hour drive and i and i had to get an airbnb out there pays me 20 bucks for a 15 minute set after not disclosing how much that would be and then without even bothering to get to know me starts talking about like all the shitty people in the scene so i ask him because i'm staying there for the weekend i want to do the open yeah. mic circuit you know yeah. um 
and I ask him, I'm like, so who's who's good out here? Like, tell me about the people out here. Because you ask me about people in Milwaukee, I won't shut up about the people I love. You know, Connor O'Hara is absolutely hilarious. And yeah. Yeah. the, you know, Joel Roberts uh, bringing musical comedy back to our scene. It's fantastic. Like, I have a list of names that I won't shut up about. But um, but this guy had a list of names that he just hated. So that's what he did. He sat me down and for like 30 minutes to an hour, he ate um, he ate uh, the best uh, fish and chips I'd ever seen in my entire life. I, I had asked him, I was like, is there a meal ticket? And he was like, no. And then that fish and chips was 20 bucks. So I ended up using my fucking $20 on dinner that night, <laughs> which was nice. even worse. He was like chowing down in front of me. I'm starving to death. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so he started talking to me up about all the shitty people in the scene. And then he starts talking to me, again, not bothering to get to know me, about post-COVID comics. And I'm sitting here, it's like, you motherfucker, you hired one. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about one. Right. Yeah, exactly. And then I ask him, I'm like, I'm going to go to The Independent. Well, shout out, The Independent. That's uh, a fantastic venue in uh, Hamtramck. They do an open mic Thursday, Friday, and then a heckle open mic on Saturday. Is great fucking place. Nice. Um, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna hit up the uh, the independent after this, and uh, you don't want to you want to tag along. And he's like, no, I don't really do the open mics, man. You know, I'm I'm like I'm past that point. I got I got a family, I got kids, you know. And I'm like, damn, you talked all this shit, and you're not even in the shit with yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love hearing that. I love hearing that too. He's just yeah. too afraid anymore. He's too afraid. There's too much good shit yeah oh for sure and the big for sure and the more conversations we have with people about the big c is something that i I absolutely love to see is is how much inner them they grew in this moment of absolute dismay oh for sure and you were and you were one of them so during during the big c looking at the sadness that really was and deciding, Hey, I want to make people laugh. That's fantastic. What was the hardest part about first getting into it? Was it creating the script, creating a a set of jokes or more so understanding that something I found super, super funny was that like most of your fantastically great comics average about one belly laugh every five minutes. Right. Right. So what has been the the most eye-opening thing since you've been into this and what was the what was a humbling moment? So I got kind of a long answer for that one, I suppose. Because for me, the hardest the hardest thing getting into comedy wasn't um learning how to tell jokes and writing jokes and you know performing and and all that kind of stuff. That that's a muscle that you're working on. As long as you go to the open mics with the understanding that you suck when you first start, you're gonna be fine. And that those skills are are easy to possess as long as you're paying attention, watching what the other comics do, and consistently working on your writing. Plus, I mean, everybody has a, a YouTube account, so you can you can look up. You know, um, the Joke Doctor was a pretty good resource for me when I first started um uh, writing classes you can just you can just watch a youtube video and figure out everybody there's all different kinds of writing methods the point i'm making is the skill aspect of it wasn't the difficult part you're going into it to learn that the the part for me was getting out of my own head um and it was the insecurity of it because the thing is is when you go into comedy the only thing that you know you want to do is to be a part of comedy you don't know 
anything else. You don't know like the, the hierarchies here. You don't know the relationships. You don't know the rules of the venues. You don't know what flies, what doesn't fly. You don't know um, if this guy's an asshole, if this person's cool, if he like, what if I, what if these people hate me and I never get, uh, you know, booked anywhere, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it it becomes this level of just like, you know what you want to do, but you have no idea what your place is in it. And you have no idea if you deserve to be there. And it, it's because you're overthinking, you're going into it nervous and, um, scared and 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 new you're the new kid in class you know like and if you can find a way to drop that and just embrace the fact that you're new around there that the people around you were just like you at a certain point and most of them uh that you encounter are going to be patient with you as you're learning and growing and as um trying to skip past that insecurity i think would be the the uh most valuable lesson that i learned was that it, it's it's okay to bomb it, it's okay to just be yourself at these mics um you have nothing to be insecure about um you have nothing to be afraid of um and as long as your main goal and your your consistent goal is to consistently improve the people around you are going to notice that too yeah um, but the 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 stage fright and the insecurity and all that was like that was the biggest for me to overcome and that's amazing you say that because we hear that i mean with different words but the same foundation we hear that story often is that oh, yeah. people's own minds become their biggest barrier that becomes their biggest cloud of smoke and it ends up just being smoke that you just walk through you yep. have to you have to just pick your head up don't look down pick your head up and walk through it it sounds like that's exactly what you did and that's fantastic. Yeah. i applaud you thank you because the big C had that effect it, it, as much as it was physical, it, it was just as much. And in many cases, more mental. Oh and yeah. Comedy has this wonderful way of pushing us into a better reality. The yeah. laughter, if when, when you're the type of person who can look at a situation and find laughter, life becomes so much better. Very much so. And I was always kind of known as the person that would crack a joke at a funeral who would laugh at the sad parts of a movie, you know, and it's like, you can look at that as somebody who just doesn't have the same emotion towards that. And that's not true because, you know, I'll cry at that same funeral and I'll cry at the end of that movie. But my instinct is to make you feel better and make myself feel better by finding a way to poke fun at the seriousness of the situation. I mean, because at the end of the day, um, one of the things about about the Big C, uh, it made everybody take everything with a level of seriousness that we just were not used to. I mean, I think especially uh, in America, I I don't know how it is in the rest of the world, but I I know in American culture, we're very blasé with shit. We're very... Um, we're very goofy with stuff, especially pre-2020. There was on, almost a, a level of of humor to everything. I mean, for God's sakes, one of our main, uh, one of our senators, Anthony Weiner, leaked a photo of his own Weiner. I mean, like yeah. sometimes, just, like <laughs> we're a joke as a, you know, as a community. Um, and uh, there was a level of um, relaxation that came with that, a, a level of camaraderie that came with that. Um, you saw that kind of go downhill at the start of 2015 and 2016, but that came to a head and got 
as bad as it could possibly get when 2020 hit and when when the pandemic hit because really people spent the last four years of their lives you know during the entire uh, trump administration whether or not i'm not even making a political statement on that but just just the level of stress in the country in general the the level of separation that that happened during that period of time um people were already scared we're already insecure we're already worried we're already at each other's throats and then you added the the idea that we could die if we go outside um and again because we're ridiculous as people that became like this binary where it's either you, you wrap yourself head to toe in a mask and you never leave your house or you go out there with a nothing but a american flag on and and, and spit on everybody's food it's like there's no right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's either 100 percent pfizer has always been our best friend and has never ever done anything wrong and ignore the fact that that company has a felony and is the only one to have one um or or the medicine is the devil and they put nanobots in it and they're they're, they're going to use the vaccines to control our brains so it was like there was no in between so and, and because comedy really wasn't happening at the time and you know a lot of comedy shows as well that that uh kind of poke fun at this uh, this sort of thing were were destabilized i mean talk shows were happening at home um even a lot of like editorial news shows were happening at home uh you know comedy was uh, stand-up comedy was happening on zoom which should not have happened yeah. at all yeah <laughs> um well i mean it you know if it brings people joy then do it um but uh so uh, i mean bo burnham released his first special in six years and it was one of the most depressing things i'd ever seen in my entire life so like yeah. that was that was the vibe yeah i mean too and it was amazing it was a great special but i was like oh my god i don't know if i want to kill myself or go outside like I, <laughs> it was just and that was just the vibe that we we're under. It's like outside is insanity. And, um, uh, everybody's locked down at home. Nothing's funny anymore. South Park isn't writing. So, and their seasons are six episodes long. And now I don't know how to feel about anything. And <laughs> I know and, that uh, one of the things that frustrated me the most about COVID is, and it, and we haven't broken away from it or the big C. I'm no. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Good. Is uh, these ten season uh, 10 episode seasons that we have like what happens oh. with 20 to 25 year busters man like, yeah dude that's how i feel it's like south park look i love south park to death i grew up on it and the day south park stops airing is the day this country loses any self-awareness whatsoever i know that's a ridiculous statement but i believe that in my soul um, but, there. I, I agree <laughs> yeah but these these six episode seasons are like they're killing me they're, they're, i was so excited for that new season to come out and the second it was out it was over i was like what the hell and then they they make up for it they say oh we're gonna have um an hour long uh movie in the summer like maybe two hour long specials in the summer uh you know you know that sort of thing and i'm like that's not the same thing you guys used to come back every week and shit on what was happening that week and it was amazing because nobody could take anything too seriously through comedy yeah exactly they really were and uh i mean i don't know yeah. I mean, how much how much would cancel culture have to do with this? Because arguably, it's there's things I laugh at that cancel culture has has hit, and I'm like, why? Yeah. Why are you guys touching that when you got this over here? But I don't want to shine a light on this over here because yeah, like, they dodged all around that. I mean, those guys <laughs> would never get canceled. 
just watch the yeah, America, just watch the America, fuck yeah, video. Like seriously, yeah, <laughs> Team America. Yeah. Well, those guys, it's like because they always approach it with this. I, I was watching this really. I'm a nerd, so I end up watching like hour long breakdowns and and you know right, uh, character studies and that kind of stuff on yeah. shows like South Park and shit. So it's it's a total waste of my time, but I enjoy it. Um, and and the way that they get away with it is so masterful. It's because they're they're right down in the center and they're never picking a side. Like the thing is, is like they're making fun of everybody. Everybody's ridiculous. Everything's ridiculous. And they're principled with it. It's like you can't criticize their criticism of religion because they're criticizing all religions. It's like, which, you know, which one are, are, are you defending versus which one do you not care about? I mean, everything that they handle, they handle with a level of, um, neutrality in a weird way like when you're watching it it doesn't feel neutral and that's the beauty of it because when you go into watching south park with a bias you leave thinking they agree with you if you go into like the 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 mr garrison fucking trump thing like loving trump you're gonna leave thinking they agree with you but if you go into it hating the guy you're gonna leave thinking they agree with you it's the same thing with like any of it i mean even and that's like a terrible example i mean they, they even their most controversial episodes yeah um, you're not wrong though that's it's something yeah like, it's the beauty of south park it's been the beauty of south park it's it always has been yeah. i, I can't, mean i can't tell you what their personal opinion on almost anything is I no. mean, if, I, if i did a little bit of digging through wikipedia sent an email here or there i could find a personal opinion i'm sure but yeah that's the beauty of it i don't I don't want to know, to be honest no. with you. But I can tell you, I can tell you what kind of people they are, and that's yeah. that's what I care about. Like, what kind of person you are, and they're the kind of people that when they won, when they were nominated for an Emmy, they showed up in dresses on on LSD sugar cubes and and just <laughs> refused to address the fact that they were wearing dresses, and then like had to come down during the Emmys, and then after fucking winning one. They made the episode more shit. Um, and then at the very end, they just, they, they pull the Emmy. Every time Randy's taking a dump, that Emmy is there spinning around that says Emmy Award winning series. And at the very end, they just break the fourth wall. They pluck it off the screen and just shove it in the, uh, you know? I'm just like, I love that. It's like they don't care if you respect them. They only care that they tell the truth, you know? I still think that my favorite my favorite thing about them is even South Park. It's basketball where he's talking to Squinty. Yes. Squinty's like, he's like, you're a piece of shit. I am not a piece of shit. He's like, no, but you are a little bitch. And they just keep going back and forth. With them. Just improv. The whole movie was improv. All like, of it. All unbelievable. Of it. I loved basketball. It was such a good movie. That's <laughs> such a good movie. That locker room scene where they just have the longest. I mean, around that time, too, what? You had Grandma's Boy. Grandma's Boy is such a good yeah, movie. Yeah, so good movie. Oh, my God. But, I mean, even even as a kid watching all of that, the the feeling I felt with laughter is 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 what led me. I mean, I'm no stand-up comedian, but I I I push my life through laughter. I do. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just better that way. Um, yeah. Those movies showed me all of that growing up. You yeah. know, people have a better time when they're laughing. I, I don't right. know. Yeah. 
and laughter was always like an escape for me too. It's like I don't want to say I had a, a like a, a like a genuinely difficult childhood, but I didn't have like an easy one. Like you know, um, I, I don't need to go into it too much. But you know, I got bullied a lot when I was younger. Um, school was kind of a nightmare. Uh, family life was difficult at times. You know, single parents, divorced parents. You know, it 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 was a lonely, weird time in, in, in my life for sure. And um, comedy and laughter. You couldn't think about what made you upset if you were laughing. I mean, I would have things that were just devastating to me that I couldn't get away from mentally, even as a young adult. But you get that one hysterical belly laugh, it'll turn your entire day around. And I mean, I think about my first hysterical belly laugh, like real conscious. I laughed so hard I couldn't stop. Um, and it was, it was, again, it was South Park. I was eight years old. I didn't understand a single joke. Um, it was the Al Gore episode where they're, they're pulling carbon out of the, out of the cave with all that gold. He takes two steps and then just shits gold. Treasure, <laughs> And it's like, I, and I had a little tube TV down in the basement yeah. with no VCR. I couldn't rewind it. I couldn't, I couldn't believe what just happened. It broke something in me and I cackled for two hours. Yeah. Just belly laugh. Anytime I think about it, I would just start belly laughing again. My dumbass went upstairs to try to tell my mom what I just saw because I wanted her to know I was watching South Park. That's how that I didn't understand, you know. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't get it out. I just kept laughing hysterically until she sent me to my room. I was like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, and, and that's that's what made me fall in love with it as a medium because, like, you know, growing up past that. Um, there was nothing like a good laugh that uh, to just reset everything to yeah. add that human aspect. It breaks anger. It breaks sadness. It breaks depression. It breaks um, insecurity and confusion and, and all of that. It, it's a moment of clarity in a weird way, so which is funny because it's technically a moment of insanity, but it, it's yeah. it's a moment of clarity for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, it just makes me laugh, especially when someone's angry. And someone's yeah, so yeah. angry, and you get them to laugh, and they they break that that scowl, and then now yeah. they were mad about. Now they're angry at you for making them laugh, but it's like, yeah, got you. But they're not even mad at you at that point either. Like they can't be. They're they're mad that you made them laugh, but they're trying to reset. You can see it in their face. They're like, <laughs> they're angry about you know, it's like it's not there anymore. Right. <laughs> wow, Michael. I mean, this has been absolutely fantastic patrick did you have any questions or anything you want to throw in i want to get your plugs in and anything i just i just i just want to know what you got going on i know you uh, are also like a promoter as well for like your like yeah uh, you do a lot of stuff at maddie's i actually have been there I before do, yeah. 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 yeah the old lady oh, she yeah? actually gra she graduated from uh college um oh. in waukesha so fantastic man yeah, yeah i love Love downtown Waukesha. Can I actually uh, get into how I started producing? Just as a whole. So, so, so lay the groundwork for what I noticed, especially in this scene and in Wisconsin. And I have a theory that it has to do with the amount of new people coming out of COVID and and throwing themselves into it. Again, it's like a numbers game. The more people that that join a scene, yeah, like uh, the more people that join, the more people, more of them are going to be psychos. But then also there's that other percentage of them that will be talented in other parts uh, of comedy, not just in performing or even be driven to do so. Cause it's so rare to find a performer who also wants to deal with the bullshit that comes with producing a show and booking a show and working with a venue and then promoting it, doing all the graphic design. It's such a, a, a hard, um, 
thing to maintain um, that it, it doesn't always attract people. But if you do it, it's so rewarding. You make a lot of connections with people. You you uh, you have a consistent venue now that you can get better at and work at, put yourself on as a host, that sort of thing to work that skill. Um, and uh, what I love about this scene is the amount of people that just went out and started their own open mics. I mean, I was talking to uh, Cody Hack. He's a really talented comic out here. He's been doing it for about three years. Um, I'm putting, I'm running my open mic tonight over at Maddie's at eight o'clock. Uh, I got to nice. get there and set up AV here soon. But um, uh, he he hit me up and he's like, "Can you put me up on one of the first spots? Um, I'm trying to hit four mics tonight. There are four mics that that somebody <laughs> can hit anywhere from like three minutes to ten minutes at um, in one night on a Tuesday." And I'm probably going to hit at least two or three and I'm producing the venue, which means I got to be there until the mic's over. I'll still probably be able to hit two or three of them because so um, I'll be performing at mine and then over at high note. And that's what's so nice about this scene is the amount of people that give back in other ways. And it just makes us so much better because we are constantly grinding through shit. We are just grinding, 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 performing, performing, performing. And I think a lot of really strong Milwaukee, a lot of people come out of Milwaukee really strong. And I think it's my opinion, and other people probably disagree with me even in this scene, but um, when we talk about uh, performing cities, when we talk about like the big names of comedy and where they come from, uh, traditionally we talk about um, LA, we talk about Chicago, we talk about New York, we talk about Boston. I think in the next 10 years, in the next decade, and in that next wave, we're gonna be talking about Milwaukee, Austin, um, uh, you know, th those, those cities, uh, maybe even Detroit. Um, but so when I was still new, I just caught this bug and I noticed um, living in downtown Waukesha, there are three colleges out here. There's a university, a community college, and a regular college, like a standard um, college. Uh, or no, 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 sorry, a community college, a university, and a trade school. Um, and then there's also 95 billion bars just on Main Street alone. Oh, yeah. um, and each and every one of them has a stage because Les Paul was born here, the guy that invented the electric guitar. Right. Um, so uh, we we have uh, weekly music festivals every Friday night. Every bar has some kind of performance going on every single night. Zero comedy, zero stand-up comedy, zero open mics, zero anything. I think uh, two years ago, there was only one comedy show, and that was on the rooftop of People's Park in, like, October. So not pleasant to be up there. Oh. Um, so what I did, uh, just thinking about it, like living out here in downtown Waukesha, being a part of this community in the first place, um, I just went the traditional route, uh, grabbed a clipboard and a notebook, and I went bar to bar to bar to bar all the way down Main Street um, and got told no, like over and over and over and over again. And, you know, I, I was polite about it. And, you know, I, I was appreciative of them you know, giving me the opportunity to talk. Um, but I did that for an entire day. Uh, then I did it uh, for another day and got told, no, 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 no. Got let on by one place um, uh, for a little bit. And I, I won't even name them because if I talk about them, I'm going to dig into them. They're assholes. Yeah. Probably. They went about it for sure. It was, but wasted a lot of time with that. But 
Um, and the bar that Maddie's Bar and Music Lounge is now, uh, the bar it used to be was called the Mad Scientist. And the Mad Scientist was kind of my go-to place. Now, the thing is, they were going out of business because of the big C and because the city um, started doing renovations on the street right in front of the bar. Yeah. And then on top of that, the, uh, um, the owner of the building raised their rent. So they got hit with a triple whammy and they had to go out of business. So they were my first choice, though, because that room is phenomenal. So when I went there, I was like, hey, I know you guys are going out of business in a couple months, but um, I really want to do this thing. I'll do it for free. Just let me try it here. And they were like, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to get anybody in here. I don't want you know to make you do all that work for nothing. Um, but I'll tell you this. Here's the names of the people that are thinking about moving here next um, when they do reach out to them. Uh, so. I kind of cut my losses at that point, went home, uh, went back to performing, but always kept it in the back of my mind that my intention was to start an open mic out here. Um, and a month and a half, two months later, uh, I think this was late August, early September, uh, the owners of uh, Maddie's Bar and Music Lounge announced that they were officially opening in a week. So right away, I got on that, like, stink on shit. And I, I started messaging them, um, telling them that I'll basically do this for free. I'll do this out of pocket. Um, like I have my own equipment, I have everything I need. You don't have to pay me for my time. We'll do the first four weeks for free. Um, and then after that, we can discuss the budget. So that's what I did for the, and they said, yeah, they were super hype on it. Um, first four weeks, I did it for free and the turnouts were insane because it was the first time anything like this had been in downtown Wonkasha. Yeah. Um, so the owners were impressed. And then I was able to go into my, um, real intention of this, which was to sink money back into the comedy community. Um, my intention was to have eight paid positions a month for comedians just on this one venue, just on this one open mic, and that's not what I have. So for the open mic, I pay, uh, I bring people in, I pay a, a host 30 and I pay a headliner 20. I never have the same host two weeks in a row. I never have the same headliner two weeks in a row. And I give those opportunities to new comics just as much as I give to uh, established comics. Right. But so what that serves not only is that, um, you know, incentivizing people to do well, to keep coming out, to keep doing their best out there and reminding them that people are going to be willing to pay them for, for their time and for their art. They just have to keep sticking it out. Um, it's also a way to bring in variety to the mic itself. Yeah. Uh, that way the audience isn't seeing the same people over and over again. Um, and I can introduce other parts of the comedy community to this venue as well. Yeah. So when that started going well and still turning a profit, they raised my budget up a little bit more. I was able to, you know, go home with some money at that point too. Um, and we started doing showcases there. Uh, yeah. And then that introduces four more paid, uh, paid spots for people. And my budget for that's much higher than the, than the open mic I pay. Um, $30 for a host. I'm working on raising that to 50, but it's 30 for a host, uh, 50 per feature. I bring on two features and then 70 for a headliner. Headliners do 20, features do 10 to 15, host is five to 10. Um, so on that one venue, that ended up being about 12 paid spots for the community now. Um, and that, that became like this, uh, part of it that I got a lot of joy out of, um, was, pumping money back into the community and, and and helping it thrive in that way and then providing stage time to the comics in the in, in our scene as well um and then i caught the bug for for producing in general i mean the graphic design aspect of it uh, you know scratches the artist itch for me 
the uh, the actual show running aspect of it, you know, setting up the show, booking the show, setting up the room, setting up the lineup, doing the in-between music, picking out a track to, uh, to, to have people walk on to or start the show for. I found this awesome French EDM track from like 2012. I have no idea how I came across it. Nice. That's, it's a George Carlin remix. So it's just George Carlin oh, doing some yeah. of his most famous bit, uh, bits, but it's like trap remix. And I started... Uh, yeah, yeah, and I started one of our um, our uh, uh, our most recent shows with that, and it just felt it was such a cool moment to to sit there in this moment that has nothing to do with me. I'm not on the roster. My name is not on the poster. I'm just the the man behind the curtain setting these things up, having these ideas, making it all work, so that when everything comes together in this minute and a half moment right here. There's lights moving all over the place. There's this weird French 2012 George Carlin EDM remix. One of my favorite comedians in the scene, uh, uh, Reagan Nimala, hit her up, book her for your show. She's fantastic. Is about to go up and open up this show. I, I yes. got an audience full of people and it's Cinco de Mayo. There's just this one moment. It's like perfect. Yeah. And and there's nothing more satisfying than being the person that made that one little moment. I describe it like, do you guys know what sand art is or like beach art, low tide oh, art? Oh, they're dropping the little individual sand granules inside of the container and they like make something. It's They start with one little grain and they just keep adding yeah. colors. Yeah. Well, for what I was saying, so it's like um, on low tide, what people will do is they'll go up uh, and in the sand, that wet sand, they can paint these massive, like beautiful, intricate portraits. And they'll spend hours on them for the entire low tide. They'll take one photo, and then the, that tide will come and wash it away. So oh, it's really? esoteric in a way. It's a beautiful thing that's only going to exist in those couple of moments. Yeah. That's how I started to feel when it came to producing and making shows. It's this beautiful thing that's only going to exist in this one little moment, and it was only for the people that were here to see it. That's and so uh, I, I love it, man. Um, absolutely. You make, you're making me want to start producing. I don't know you should, man. I mean, holy cow, the way you're, the way you're explaining it, I, I want to produce now. It's <laughs> such a good time. And uh, through all that, through all that grinding, I picked up another venue now. Uh, it's called the Brumder Mansion Bed and Breakfast. I fucking love this building. It's a 110-year-old mansion um, that was, uh, that in the basement used to have an Al Capone speakeasy that was converted into a theater in the 1940s. It's like haunted by 15 ghosts, apparently. Al Capone filled a fucking ton of people there. Um, there's like all these secret tunnels and, and the stage and the room is just perfect for comedy. It's, it's got a low ceiling, it, it's wood, it's like echoey and old and creepy. And like the, the stage is all vintage. All the furniture in the house top down is from the 1870s to 1890s. Um, so it would be like historically accurate to what the house would have been furnished in when it was built. Um, and it just all together creates this vibe that's like built for comedy. It, it's, it's one of the coolest places I've ever seen. Um, and uh, that leads me into my plugs. Um, June 17th, we're doing uh, our showcase there. I call that Comedy at Capone's. Um, that's at the Brumber Mansion Bed and Breakfast at 8 p.m. Um, the address is 3046 Wisconsin Avenue. It's right across the street from the rave. Um, 
you can buy your tickets on on uh, uh, through uh, Eventbrite. That's actually linked on my Facebook page too. So that's the that's the main website that's linked to my Facebook page. You can go there, grab that uh, grab that through through that link. Um, they're ten dollars single entry. We have Cody Aaron Myers uh, coming up from Austin, Texas, to headline that show. Fantastic comedian. Uh, he actually got a start out here in Milwaukee and is a huge inspiration to a lot of the comics out here in the first place. He's got a really like genius, unique writing style that he broke down for everybody that I know a few people personally who use that as, as their own writing method, or at least a guide for it. Um, dude moved down to Texas, Austin, Texas, lived in his car and hooked up like all of his electronics and furniture. Like he wired a toaster into his, into his car, you know, like the guy's like a weird genius. I'm so excited to meet him. So excited to meet him. Uh, and then we got a lot of local greats on that show too. I'll be hosting it. Um, Rich Damore will be on that. He's a fantastic comedian. He's been doing it for 10 years. I've never seen a dude tear up a tear up a room like Rich has. Uh, Syed, uh, Syed will be on that. Uh, really, really great comic. Um, uh, Matthew Manley, uh, he just won second place at uh, Madison's Funniest Comic. He's going to be on that lineup as well. Um, and I'm, oh, and uh, Aaron Clark is going to be on that. He's a regular over at the Laughing Tap and just an all around really funny, really good dude. Um, so stacked lineup for $10, hour and a half show and a haunted basement and right across the street from the rave on a Saturday night, go to a comedy show at a spooky ass place and then go out and bar hop on water street. You cannot beat that. No, um, that's like such a good time. Exactly. And then, uh, after that, June 22nd, we're doing, um, uh, what we call at Maddie's Thursday night live, which is going to be the first hopefully of many uh, in a series of large out of state, big draw headlining acts coming to Maddie's. Um, Johnny Beaner is going to be our first headlining act over at, uh, at Maddie's. He uh, got a start in Madison, I believe, um, either Madison or Chicago. Uh, e either way, he's a regular on the Bob and Tom radio show, uh, regular on the uh, Tonight Show with David Letterman. Um, internationally or, or yeah internationally known comic really great dude um and i know a couple people in the scene that uh has uh, have used his his comedy as a direct inspiration for them as well uh he'll be headlining the night doing about 45 minutes uh we have jay tyler mens who is just a fantastic comedian and producer from the wisconsin area he'll be uh featuring and then we have Joe cochran who's a local legend out here in the milwaukee comedy scene um he's also a former winner of the uh, madison uh madison's funniest comic competition which is kind of a big deal out, out here uh yeah. it's a good judge for for skill for sure um he'll be hosting that show and uh that's 15 dollars for single entry otherwise a table reservation with four tickets uh that you can bundle that together for 50. um so you end up saving a ton of money that way and then you reserve an actual table rather than just a seat in the audience yeah. Um, and then a month after that, uh, I don't know if you guys know who Sam Talent is. Um, he's a, uh, uh, really, yeah, really great comedian. He was just on the Joe Rogan experience not too yeah. long ago. Um, and, uh, close relationship with the Milwaukee comedy scene for sure. Um, but he's been all over and has been around for, I want to say 20 plus years. Uh, he just released a book too. Um, it's called Running the Light. Uh, fantastic book. But if I if buy a physical copy for sure, but buy the audio book because um, that features the 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 voicing of um, uh, Kyle Kinane, Mark Norman, um, 
uh, Norm MacDonald, um, oh, nice. all, all kinds of famous comedians go in and, and, and help uh, narrate that book. So that, that's a great thing to grab. But he's coming uh, He's coming to Maddie's Bar and Music Lounge as well for our next Thursday Night Live. And that'll nice. be um, our second large celebrity over at that venue. That's so um, and that one, I'm so excited for that. That's going to be uh, July 13th at 8 p.m. Uh, they're $25 single entry tickets or a hundred dollar table reservation that comes with four table, uh, four tickets and a table. Yeah. But, yeah. That's so cool. Wow, man. You got your plate full. I you're talking to me. I was like, yeah, we got, we got some stuff that's planned too. We're just trying to get enough episodes recorded so that we can have some time off. And here, here, here you got, not only are you telling me what you got going on, you're naming all the people and what they do. I'm like, Oh, I bet. I can only imagine. I mean, we, oh, we've yeah. met so many great people doing this and that that's part of, we, this is all nonprofit for us. Like we just, oh, we, yeah. we, we enjoy doing it. Like we will bounce up and down the Apple charts, which is kind of funny. Like we'll, we'll hit the top 100 in Apple charts and comedy improv. And then we'll just, and then we'll dive back down and then we'll bounce right back up in the top 100. It's funny. Fair because it, it is what it is, you know. It's just it's yeah. entertainment, you know. That's what we do. We enjoy it. So yeah. um, we've met so many great people. Oh yeah, and, and yeah. You are on that list now. This has been. A hey man, I appreciate that. I feel the exact same way about you guys. Like I always feel, um, I never joined this to make money. I would spend money to be a part of it. So right. you know, breaking even is yep. breaking even. <laughs> I'll be in the middle there. Yeah. So, but, yeah. So definitely get me your uh, all your contact information, any social so yeah. links, uh, your all your ticket. Uh, if you have any like promos, anything you need to uh, plug on there, and then when I yeah. go when I edit this and uh, I put it on, I'll put the YouTube uh, like little five minute promo, and then we've also got our our Twitter, TikTok, all that stuff. So yeah, we'll post it everywhere. So yeah, cool. We'll get you some pub. Thank you so much for your time, man. Yeah, I thank you again. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. We wish oh, absolutely. you all the damn luck in the world. Cause Dude, God, you guys as well. Spinning, man. It, it'll be fantastic. Hey, oh, yeah. Luck with oh, everything. Yeah. Hey, you too. Hey, have a good Enjoy the night. You got a big day oh, ahead. Oh, you too, guys. So. <laughs> a lot, yeah. All right. A lot, uh, a lot of things, Tom. All right. I'm listening to Boys in the Woods podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and comment what you love and what you don't. Come out with the Boys in the Woods.